imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global podcast. I am so excited about this week's conversation with a really special guest, Gabrielle Boucher. You know, one of the key elements for effective leadership centers around relationships. It's about knowing how to get the optimum performance from the people that you interact with and that you're responsible for, whether it's at work, in your community, or just at your home. It's being able to gain their trust, being able to motivate them and gain their unwavering support, regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in. That's the real essence of leadership. But now leaders find themselves challenged with generational leadership. That means creating meaningful engagement between and across generations, creating opportunities for partnership and collaboration across generations. Now, generally, there are five primary and recognized generations that form our society as a whole. There are the traditionalists or silent generation, and that's generally made up of people that were born between 1925 and 1945. There are the baby boomers, and those are people born from about 1946 to 1964. Generation X, these are folks born between 1965 and 1976. And then Generation Y, or Millennials. And those folks were born between 1977 and 1995. And then finally, Gen Z, iGen, or Centennials. And those are people born after 1996. That's our youngest generation. And while each generation has its own unique identity, it would be a mistake to say that everyone classified as belonging to one of these generational categories has the same set of values or beliefs. There are certain characteristics that do seem to apply to the majority of any particular group, but it's important to remember that every single person, regardless of what generation they belong to, is first and foremost an individual, having their own goals, values, and beliefs. Therefore, what motivates one individual from a generational group may not motivate everyone within that generation. But I will tell you, regardless of how success is defined in your organization, it's absolutely critical to understand what works and what doesn't when it comes to motivating your employees to give the absolute best day in and day out. Organizations that fail to grasp some of these basic concepts will find issues in both attracting and retaining talent, especially talent that's essential to the growth and health of that organization. No one solution will work all of the time. So to help us really understand this concept of generational leadership um, and creating purpose through generational leadership, please help me welcome Gabrielle Boucher, a best-selling author of five books, a popular TEDx speaker, and generational strategist. Before we jump in, let me tell you a little bit more about how amazing Gabrielle is. She's going to be sharing with us today um, her point of view on creating purpose through generational leadership. She's been featured in Huffington Post, Success, NPR, 
Business Insider Fast Company, Glamour, and on Bloomberg Radio for her work on millennials. She helps companies around the world attract, retain, and optimize their millennial workforce. Gabrielle is the author of The Five Millennial Myths, the handbook for managing and motivating millennials. Her books and management training materials are used in companies and universities across the country. And Gabrielle is the founder and president of The Millennial Solution, an international training and consulting company bridging the generational gap. Gabrielle self-published her first book at 17, which is amazing, became an elite athlete, and won a beauty pageant all before the age of 20. I don't know a lot of kids that are doing all of those things before 20, but this woman is an absolute star. Gabrielle's newest book, The Purpose Factor, Extreme Clarity for Why You're Here and What to Do About It, released in early October, provides a practical approach to discovering and using your purpose. Please join me in welcoming Gabrielle Beauchet. Hey, thank you so much for having me. What an intro. I am taking you both on the road with me. It is such an honor to be here. Um, I love what you guys are all about. I love empowering women. I love talking about leadership. I love getting into it. So I'm so honored to be spending some time with you here. We are so excited too. First of all, the topic around millennials, I think is a fascinating one. One that I think companies and leaders, executives across the globe are always trying to crack the code on on how do we engage millennials in the most effective way. Um, and as you know, Gabrielle, millennials now make up the largest generation in the American workforce and will be number one for some time. And they aren't just entry-level employees any longer. These folks have moved up into executive and management roles, and millions of them have now moved into management, also have started their own companies. And we often hear that millennials don't live to work, but ra rather focus on life and then work to live. I love that. They often prefer fast and immediate processing, as well as working in teams, the collaboration, and they prefer to work in a less structured, more relaxed environment than a sort of very stringent hierarchical structure. Because of their unlimited access to information, they also tend to be like super assertive and have strong views. All of these things are good things. But would you agree that with that kind of overview of millennials and how the relationship is working today or what, what would your take on it be? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that quick analysis. And it's one of those things that millennials uh, are oftentimes kind of chided or criticized for the very things that we celebrate about them. And so much of, of this next generation, you can really see where we are today based off of how we were raised. And so we were a generation that was raised by parents who told us, you can do anything that you want and you can be anything that we that you want. And then we graduate from college, we start working for these major companies. And guess what? We think we can do whatever we want and be whatever we want. We listened. And so now we're a generation who's in the workforce that's extremely confident, wants to get our fingerprints on, on every element of the company and wants to be involved. And so smart companies today are really recognizing that this is a generation that really does want to be involved from the ground level up. We don't want to wait our turn. We don't want to kind of go through the, the same rigmarole of other generations. And what's really interesting, and Linda, I so appreciate that you gave that generational overview for your listeners, because understanding the generational handoff, the leadership handoff that we're in the midst of is so incredibly important. 
And so what most people don't realize is Generation X, that generation right above millennials, is actually one third the size of the millennial generation or the baby boomer generation. It's a much smaller generation. And so as baby boomers begin to retire and move on in their careers, there simply aren't enough Generation Xers to fill those leadership positions. So that means companies are now being forced to doing one of three things. They're either holding on to their boomers longer, they're promoting their Gen Xers and making them wear multiple hats, or they're pulling up millennials who may or may not be ready for those leadership positions at younger ages. And so organizational leaders at every level really need to start recognizing that business as usual, the same old, same old, wait your turn kind of leadership isn't going to work. You simply can't afford it at this point. And so understanding generational dynamics is more than something that's just a box to be checked as an organization. It's more than just generational diversity to make sure that you've got enough young people or young blood, but it really is the survival and the thriving of your organization. And it really is going to determine how well you're going to lead your organization in the future. Wow. That is so insightful, Gabrielle. Thank you so much. And You know, I so appreciate that insight that you're offering about the differences in um, attitudes and value systems for the generations, but also the sizes of those generations and how that impacts leadership in organizations. You know, we hear that many millennials prefer to receive more continuous and instant feedback from managers, and they like to know that what they do actually matters. Um, they like to be praised in public for the things that they accomplish and to be noted for the ways that they're making an impact. And even though they like to be rewarded, many leaders feel like it's best to tell them the truth about their work. And if they're told that they're underperforming, they'll likely increase their productivity in an attempt to reach an award. So this is an, a, a generation that not only likes celebrating success, but they want to be motivated by receiving instant, continuous feedback so that they can always improve. And so how would you recommend that leaders begin to motivate millennials knowing that that kind of continuous and instant feedback from managers can be really critical in helping to ensure that they're not only being motivated, but that they are absolutely getting the very best out of all the folks in their organization who are millennials? Feedback is so incredibly important, whether you're talking to someone who's 22 or 62, employees today need to know how well they're doing. But in the kind of days of old, it was, uh, I had someone of an older generation once explained to me who's a traditionalist. And he said, when I was your age, he said, the only feedback I had was whether I had a job or I didn't have a job. He's like, those were the two pieces of feedbackers, employment and unemployment. And and so we see that a lot of times with older generations that now they're saying, well, maybe the 360 review is enough or the annual review is enough. But we're dealing with a generation who can post something on their social media and within minutes know whether or not it's going to go viral. And so they can see instant feedback when it comes to their social media presence, but they have to wait 10 to 12 months to determine how well they're doing at their job. It simply doesn't make sense. And so instant feedback is more um, is more about the expectation of information transfer of this younger generation than it is about this idea that millennials just need to constantly be praised. In fact, the research that we've done with our company, The Millennial Solution, is that we've actually found that millennials want constructive uh, feedback and criticism more than just positive feedback about, you know, how great we are about showing up on time or knowing how to make coffee from the Keurig. This is a generation who really wants to know how well we're doing. 
And that reason, there's a couple different reasons behind that. Part of it is because this is a generation who came of age during the recession where jobs were incredibly competitive. And so we want to know that we're not going to be replaced. Part of that is simply us wanting the feedback that we can personally develop and grow within that, within the, the role itself. But it's also too a question of context. This is a generation who wants to know that what we do is making a difference. We don't want to simply be working on a widget in a warehouse and have no connection to the outside world. We want to know that what we're doing matters. And so when we teach organizational leadership, and we've worked with Fortune 500 companies, we've worked with the U.S. military, we've worked with boutique consulting firms. And what we found is when leaders understand how to give feedback to millennials, they not only have a more engaged millennial workforce, they have a really well-engaged workforce overall. So quick tips on giving feedback. Most organizational leaders are taught to give feedback in what I call the cookie sandwich. We really love you. Thanks for being a part of the team. Please improve these three things or we're going to dismiss you. But we really love you being a part of the team. That feels good to give as a manager, but what we've actually found with the workforce is it's not effective. So we teach what we call the stoplight. Stoplight literally means red, stop doing this and here's why. Yellow means you need to improve on this and here's why. And the green light means keep doing this and here's why. When you connect that why to the work of the individual, they now understand when I come in late, it's not just inconvenient for my boss. When I come in late, it lets the rest of my team down or my team doesn't take me as seriously. So connect something that why to any piece of feedback that you're giving to a millennial and ditch the cookie sandwich and start using the stoplight approach. I love that idea of ditching the cookie sandwich. I always hated the cookie sandwich, both as just being on the receiving end and the giving end. It just feels so forced. But the stoplight, I love that. So simple, makes so much sense. Um, and the why is so critical too. But you said one thing, Gabrielle, about the, you know, millennials really needing to connect with the why. And in fact, you know, they're called the purpose generation. Um, a recent survey said that 63% of millennials, essentially workers under 35, said that the primary purpose of business should be improving society instead of generating a profit. So a study from the Society for Human Resource Management tells us that 94% of millennials want to use their skills to benefit a cause, and 57% wish that there were more company-wide service days, which is amazing, servant hearts. Um, and organizations that ignore this group's commitment to purpose over profit are taking big risks. Often they aren't performing as well um, and often sort of lag behind in their sectors. So their passions for this group continue um, to create sort of branding and a culture that demands that, you know, these strategies for impact will also determine decision making. So in your company, how do you help brands create purpose that millennials will support and endorse? Yeah, yeah purpose has been such an incredible um, element of watching this generation really come of age. And as you had mentioned kind of in the intro, I've been tracking my generation since I was 17. That's when I wrote my first book, I've written five since. And it's been such a fascinating discovery of a generation who's really come of age during a time where uh, technology has brought us closer together than ever, where social justice issues have become personalized, not just political. And it's a generation who really recognizes that our collective voice can really change the world. So it's a really incredible generation to be a part of and to recognize the impact that they're making. 
But I couldn't agree with you more that this is a generation that doesn't just have an expectation around making a difference and having purpose at work, but it's it's a demand that they're now having walking into an organization saying, how can I first find my purpose and secondarily apply my purpose to the work that I'm doing? So many organizations still have the old mindset of if we have, you know, CSR, corporate social responsibility, maybe we have an officer or a day we're checking a box. But what we've actually found through our research is that millennials don't want to be a part of your movement or your cause. They want their company to be the platform that they can pursue their own cause. And so many organizations are now partnering with great technology platforms like uh, Benevity is a great one. There's um, there's so many great organizations that really create a platform and, and for employees to be able to pursue their own personal causes at work. And that, I think, is the big mindset shift is it's no longer come join us. It's come, let's partner together. And that simple mindset shift of going from come join us to come partner together is such a huge difference because now we've got an organization that we're now bringing in employees to come in and say, you can be yourself here versus, you know, okay, well, maybe you're passionate about um, animal shelters or maybe you're passionate about uh, human trafficking or about breast cancer awareness. You now can bring whatever that passion is and pursue it here at this organization. And that's really what the purpose economy is really all about, is the shift away from making it all about what the company's passionate about and recognizing that the role of the employer has really shifted in the last four years, where employers are now saying it's not just about us giving you a paycheck. It's no longer a transaction. It's a transformation. We want to change the world together. And I think smart companies are really starting to recognize that, that they have such an asset in their employees and partnering with them is really going to be the difference between just getting by and really thriving and being successful in the new purpose economy. Love that, Gabrielle. I will say the purpose economy is such a deep, rich topic that I would love to dive into on a later podcast. But I think you're right. Millennials are the ones that will drive purpose in the workplace. And you know, there's a good chance that millennials will become even more connected to purpose as they age. Um, in fact, uh, German psychoanalyst Eric Erickson is his eight stage theory of development identity says that after age 40, ideally we begin moving towards exploring our purpose even more deeply and our associated sense of self with what and how we contribute to the world. So um, I know I studied Eric Erickson during my graduate studies, and his work was incredibly influential to me. So help me understand, how do you clarify this idea of purpose and establishing this partnership with employers for millennials as well as the larger workplace? Do you have tips on, one, how someone can find their purpose quickly, but two, how employers, how leaders can create a partnership with their employee base to help their employees find their purpose quickly. Yeah, the topic of purpose has really gone beyond platitudes in the workforce. I think before it was something that was nice to have. Now it's something that's necessary to have. But I think it's important to recognize what purpose is. Purpose is simply what you have inside of you to help other people. Plain and simple. Purpose is what you have inside of you to help other people. And so that means when you're talking about purpose, it has to be others focused. It has to start with a question of who, who are, who am I? And secondarily, who am I helping? 
And so purpose is an individual question, but it's also to a corporate question as well. And again, many organizations will come in and say, come join us. Here's our purpose, our mission, and completely ignore the individual purpose of the, of the employees that are working for them. I've had the opportunity to work with the military, particularly the um, Naval Sea Command, as well as the Air Force. And I remember having a really profound conversation with one of the base commanders who explained how he found the connection point of the personal purpose of his, of his workforce with the corporate purpose of the Navy. And so he would take folks from the base, whether it was the caterers or the HR folks or the event coordinators or whoever, and he would bring them to the shipyard and he'd have them walk through the ships and touch and feel and tell stories of, here's what you're connecting to. Here's what you're a part of, talking about the sailors that they're serving. And it's such a simple way for you to be able to connect the individual work of the employee with the corporate mission of the organization. It's so incredibly important. So there are a couple of quick tips of how you can connect that purpose with your individual employees. And one of the core areas that you need to be doing this is as a manager, you can first help them find their purpose through the onboarding process. Um, We found that millennials in particular determine how long they're going to stay in an organization within the first six weeks of working there. Within the first six weeks, they're determining, do I like my coworkers? Do I like my commute? Do I like uh, the coffee? Do I like the, the, the kind of culture here? There are so many elements that this next generation is evaluating, determining, is this somewhere I could be for two years or for 20 years? So they're really making that determination. And so you, if you can help connect the personal purpose of that employee to the corporate purpose of your organization within those first six weeks, you have an employee loyalty gold star, according to us. So you're doing an incredible, incredible job. Managers can continue to help their employees, even if they're past that six-week mark, by finding those connection points with that individual's purpose. One of the easiest questions that you can ask, and you can do this in a feedback system, uh, in a feedback strategy session with your employees, is simply asking your employees, what was the most fulfilled day that you've ever had at work? What was the most fulfilled day that you've ever had at work? Who were you helping? What were you working on? Who were you working with? It's a simple strategy to simply connect those moments of fulfillment because fulfillment is a result of using your purpose to help people. So fulfillment isn't the money. It's not the fame. It's not even the recognition. Fulfillment is the result of helping other people with your purpose. And so if you can help your employees determine, wow, my purpose was at work when I was working on that with that team project or working on that presentation or solving that issue that no one else seemed to be able to figure out. If you can hearken back to those moments where your employees felt really fulfilled, you can start to create a culture where those employees are having those days more often than not, where they're having those fulfillment transactions, where they're recognizing, I have something inside of me to help others. And so that's a really simple strategy and tool. The second tool is to focus on who your who is. So as a corporation, your who may be your clients or customers. It could be the economy. It could be your community. It could be one another. But the more that you focus your employees on focusing on the who, you see that base commander did a great job because he didn't just say, here's a ship you're helping to build and support. It was, here are the sailors that you're going to be supporting. So finding an opportunity to find your who is going to be really important. And the third is to focus on problem solving. As humans, we're created to solve problems. Every single business is in the business of solving problems. Absolutely everything is a problem. And as people, we need to be solving problems for others. 
And so the more you can focus your people on being problem solvers, not only internally with their role, but externally with who they're serving, you're going to see that fulfillment transaction go way up. You're going to find more fulfilled employees, more engaged employees, and more purpose-driven employees. I love this concept of a fulfillment transaction. It's so brilliant and simple, but so complicated at the same time. Great work there. For our listeners, one final question for you, Gabrielle, and this is one that really is going to take us up to the uh, uh, 40,000-foot view. So share with us and share with the listeners today the best piece of leadership advice you've received um, that you'd pass on to them. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the, the biggest pieces of, of feedback and insight that I've received, and really it's from the research that we've done with organizations, is the power of setting effective expectations. So everything comes down to the expectations, your relationships, your leadership, your connections with your kids. When we have unspoken and unmet expectations, it leads to bitterness, frustration, and anxiety. And so the more you can communicate those expectations, the better. I remember when I was speaking at a conference, this was maybe about a year ago, and I came into my hotel room and, and I have a wonderful husband who's very, very loving, but not romantic at all. I think we all kind of know the type, right? I love you very much, but there's just no, not a romantic bone in his body. So I remember I walked into my hotel room, I opened up the door and there are these chocolate covered strawberries on my bed. And there's some other kind of speaker kind of snacks and maybe a coffee mug or something. And so I walked over and uh, immediately started diving into these chocolate covered strawberries because at this point it's like mostly fruit. Like I hadn't eaten anything today. I'm like, this counts as my fruit serving for the day. Forget the chocolate. So I'm eating these chocolate covered strawberries and I walk over and there's a note and it says, have a great time at the conference. Good luck. Dash Brian. Um, so my husband isn't romantic a, but number, but B, his name is Brian. So I was like reading this note. I was like, how interesting. Okay. So Brian calls me immediately and he's like, Hey, how's it going? And he's like, so did you get my gift? And I said, what gift? He's like, the strawberries is I'm like mid bite. And I said, Oh, these are from you. He's like, there was a note that literally said from Brian. He was like, who was sending you chocolate covered strawberries? And I was like, no, this isn't a me problem. I was like, this is a you, you signed it. And I still didn't think it was you. Okay. So <laughs> what if I walked into every single hotel room now expecting because one time he sent me chocolate covered strawberries. I was like, okay, that's it. He's always going to do that. Uh, he hasn't since, but maybe it's because of this whole exchange. If every time I walked into a hotel room and expected my husband to send me chocolate covered strawberries, I'd be frustrated, bitter. I'd be like so disappointed in him as my, as my husband and my partner. But if I readjust those expectations, if we had conversations around it, then you're not going to be bitter, frustrated or anxious. And so, so oftentimes as leaders, we don't communicate effectively our expectations for those that we're leading. Or we don't communicate uh, or we don't even ask what their expectations are for us. So one of the quick ways that we do this is when we develop onboarding programs for companies, we always encourage individuals who start getting onboarded to set their expectations. So I'll ask even members of my team as we hire them, what are your three expectations for working here? It could be anything from salary to how long you want to stay here to exposure to clients, the type of work you're doing, whatever that looks like. And then I'm going to share my three expectations for them. And we continue to revisit this. So if in six months or a year, we're having a challenge, we go back to those expectations to say, where are we falling short here? Is that on our end or is that on your end? And let's readjust. Because so oftentimes as leadership, we assume people see the world as we do. 
We assume that this next generation is going to come in and would love to stay at this job for 10 to 15 years, or maybe their expectation is staying there for five. So where do we readjust our expectations as leaders so that way we open up the conversations with those that we lead and make it a conversation rather than an unspoken rule when it comes to understanding where other people are coming from? Gabrielle, that's so insightful. And you're right. I think expectations form the basis for a lot of miscommunication, misunderstanding, and also disappointment. I got to tell you that this was an incredibly insightful, really powerful conversation about creating purpose through generational leadership. And Gabrielle, I cannot be more grateful to you for sharing your wisdom, sharing your experience, and sharing your insight, not only with Christina and I, but with all of our listeners. So thank you so much. Absolutely. My absolute pleasure. I'm so excited about what you're doing, the content that you're putting out there. And I just want to acknowledge you both for your insight, your leadership, and not only your ability to kind of summarize what it is that I'm sharing and and communicate and translate that for your audience, but for that high-level leadership that you're providing that really is so, so necessary right now. So thank you for the conversation. It's been an absolute blessing. Thank you, Gabrielle. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power, and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today as women and as leaders. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.